0: This is your 101.7 The Truth News Update.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Melanie Ricks with your news update. A Milwaukee mother and her boyfriend are facing multiple felony charges for allegedly imprisoning two children in their home for years. Katie Koch is the mother of the children. She's facing four felony counts and two misdemeanors connected to child neglect and false imprisonment. Joelle Mankey is facing four felony counts. According to the criminal complaint, another neighbor first saw the children looking through a shattered window last thursday july 13th then climb onto the air conditioning unit they then jumped into the yard and walked down the street naked a child witness said the children two boys ages seven and nine were acting like cavemen like they had never seen the sun before in milwaukee county intake court on monday the assistant district attorney described the living conditions like something out of a horror movie milwaukee county assistant district attorney mallory davis said the children were essentially confined to their room for much of their lives. The windows were boarded up and the door was locked from the outside. Responding officers described it as a terrible hoarding situation in which they could not see the floor. Many other disturbing details about the living conditions were given. In court on Monday, the court commissioner set a $30,000 cash bail for Koch. Mankey's cash bail was set at $6,500. Their preliminary hearings are set for July 26th. If convicted on all felony counts, Koch and Mankey each face fines totaling $120,000 and 43 and a half years in prison. Koch faces an additional $20,000 in fines and 18 months in prison for the two misdemeanor counts. Milwaukee police are investigating a triple shooting that took place Monday night. Officials say that three people were shot near 32nd and Forest Home Avenue just before 6.30 p.m. The victims include a 16-year-old boy, a 47-year-old man, and a 46-year-old woman. They were taken to an area hospital where all are expected to survive. Police continue to search for unknown suspects. Anyone with information is asked to contact Milwaukee Police at 414-935-7360. To remain anonymous, you can contact Crime Stoppers at 414-224-TIPS. This was the news update on 1017 The Truth. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris continues next here on the new 1017 The Truth.
2: So, 833-212. There we go. It's it's my headphones. I didn't had them so long that sometimes I got to turn them around and spin them around. You know, old school thing. So, did I even finish the phone number? 833-212-1017 is the number. Truth Nation, if you want to join us for our free and open to the Public Truth Family Fest, Saturday, August 12th. Make sure you're there from 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. at the Riverside University High School in Milwaukee. We're bringing the truth community together for a free family fest that will have something for everybody. Live music spoken, word, food, health care resources, free giveaways. We can't wait to see you. That's Saturday, August 12th, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Truth Family Fest, which is sponsored by Ascension, Wisconsin and Educators Credit Yun, Bye. That's simple enough, right? Simple enough. Number five. All right, so here's the deal. Evers and Voss, this is from CBS fifty eight, want larger tax cuts, but they're kind of like divided on why and what. So tax cuts could be back on the negotiation table in Madison, but as to whether Governor Tony Evers and top Republicans could strike a deal, we don't know. Governor Evers says he's willing to negotiate a new tax cut bill after giving conflicting answers on the issue but Assembly Speaker Voss, a Republican, remains committed to the plan the governor already vetoed. Hard-headed. You keep complaining nobody negotiates, but then you play hardball. So yesterday, Evers said he'd welcome a separate bill to issue additional tax relief to the middle class after vetoing the Republicans three, three and a half billion dollar income tax cut proposal in the state budget, which would have issued tax relief to all income brackets while also largely benefiting the wealthiest Wisconsinites. So if you're cutting taxes and you pay more, then you save more. Like I don't understand. Do they understand how that works? Anyway, if Republicans are, Willing to come back if there's some way to make sure the middle class get a large tax cut, bring it on. But if it's going to be about the 11 wealthiest people in the state receiving an average $1.8 million less in taxation. So why are you taxing people more because they work harder, started a business, and have more? Like if you're going to charge me 8%, charge them 8% and be done. But don't charge me 8% and then charge the richest people 20% because they make more. That's idiotic. Makes absolutely no sense. Do you hate you? You realize the 11 wealthiest people, how many people they hire and give jobs to in the state of Wisconsin. And they pay tax on each employee. It's just weird. It's kind of bizarre having a governor who does not understand business at all. And gives them all the money away to education. I mean, I get it. But then. You know.
0: Number four.
2: All right. So. (laughs) My mother told me you should never laugh at a person's misfortune but there's a story on WISN.com. The jury trial for Jordan Tate got underway this morning inside the Milwaukee County court house, but it had a delay. One of the 14 jurors failed to show up on time, had to be picked up by a Milwaukee police officer because he claimed his car broke down. Okay. The same juror was later dismissed from the case. Because he was observed, you ready? Sleeping during testimony. Judge Jean Kai said she even heard him snoring at one point. And once the proceeding began, both the prosecution and defense made their opening statements about what happened the night of February 10th, 2022. And they went on and talked and talked and talked and shared and, 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 This person can face up to 110 years in prison. The juror fell asleep. Yeah, I kind of would not want that person on my jury either. Number three. If you live in Glendale, well, they had the same issue Milwaukee just had. North Shore Health Department officials have flagged a half dozen apartments, not one or two or three. A half dozen apartments on the Bayshore property in Glendale is having a human health hazard. North Shore Health Department documents indicate the property, the, the Lydell at 5805 North Lydell Avenue, may be contaminated with um, tri corethylene or TCE, it's identified uh, consistently in indoor air at concentrations exceeding the vapor action lever or the valve uh, within the building. TCE is of concern of it because it's potential for acute health risks, including low concent- at relatively low concentrations in the air. Let me get that right. So you don't need a lot of it indoors in your house in order for it to have... An acute effect on you. And so the North shore health department issued the emergency order. And so now they strongly recommend that individuals residing in the building who work from home are provided with alternative workspace options outside the affected structure. Well, that kind of, well, that's kind of terrible. Hmm. Number two, really I didn't even I, I didn't, yeah. <laughs> so okay I'm sorry because now I gotta read a different story because I can't laugh after I read that I can't laugh and then read that story so my new number two is well it's not shocking Republicans in Alabama have rejected instructions from the U.S. Supreme Court to redraw congressional districts and create a second majority black district in the state. Instead, Alabama lawmakers proposed a redistricting map that would increase the percentage of black voters in the second congressional district from 30 to 42.5, testing the court's directive to create an entirely new district. The Permanent Legislative Committee on Reapportionment voted to approve the new new map 14-6, calling it the Community of Interest map. It's worth noting that the vote fell along party lines, and according to Politico, this is on News1.com, according to Politico, the proposed map will be introduced as legislation Monday afternoon as lawmakers convene a special session to adopt a new map by a Friday deadline imposed by the three-judge panel. In 2022, Alabama's lower court ruled that the state needed another majority black congressional district or something close to it, giving voters a fair chance to elect a representative of their choice. In June, the Supreme Court ruled that Alabama's congressional map violated the Voting Rights Act and that the state would have to draw a new map adding a second majority-minority district before the 2024 election. And Republicans believe this map will satisfy the court, but others don't see the map making it through a second round of appeals. So once again, um, Republicans in Alabama are being knuckleheads, and they're going to lose because the federal government's going to come in and actually draw the map, and then they'll really be upset. And we're talking the people who are going to draw the map, are is a majority republican supreme court of the united states number 1 well i got two number ones today one is sad one not so sad from cnn a 3-year-old somebody help me with this we we're talking about parents a 3-year-old driving a golf cart struck and killed a 7-year-old yesterday in fort myers florida According to a news release from the Florida Highway Patrol, three-year-old was approaching a right curve near a home on private property when the front of the cart hit the seven-year-old who was standing in the front yard. The older child was taken to the hospital and pronounced dead. The three-year-old was not hurt. Concerns about minors driving golf carts in Florida recently prompted the passage of a new state law. Anyone under the age of 18 will actually need a permit or driver's license to operate a golf cart. Cart. The bill was signed into law by Governor Ron DeSantis and goes into effect October 1st. It doesn't state an age when minors become eligible to start driving carts, but does state all minors must have a permit or driver's license to legally drive a cart in Florida. Drivers in Florida must have a, must be at least 15 and have parental consent to get a permit across the country. More than 6,500 children are hurt by golf carts every year, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. Just more than half of those injured are children under 12. And, of course, I have two number ones today, so I'm going to need it one more time, Ben. Number one. So I'm a little taken aback by this because I like to travel a lot. This is not making me happy. This is from Fox Weather. Nevada's triple-digit heat is to blame after multiple airline passengers became sick yesterday while waiting to take off on a scorching tarmac in Las Vegas. A flight from Harry Reid International Airport was scheduled to arrive at Hartsfield-Jackson-Atlanta International Airport at 1 Eastern o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. The plane never took off sat on the tarmac for more than three hours, says Fox News field producer Kristen Garvin, who was aboard the flight. Temperatures in Vegas reached 114 degrees at 2.28 p.m. local time Monday, two degrees short of a daily record high, three degrees shy of the city's all-time record. Garvin says she felt like a dog trapped inside a parked car on a hot summer day as she was waiting to take off. She also said there was no air conditioning on the plane. After about two hours, things began to go south for many passengers on board after the pilot instructed passengers to hit your call button if you have a medical emergency. According to Garvin, the airline said passengers could deboard the plane, but it could possibly be days to get another flight to Atlanta. The sanitary crew came on board because some of the people had thrown up. I want to say one woman walked up the aisle, visibly ill, couldn't even open her eyes, kept swaying back and forth. The ill woman ended up sitting in the front of the plane as crew members put an oxygen mask on her. And at least five people were seen to be wheeled off the plane. After four hours, stretchers were brought on board as passengers were asked to disembark and go back into the airport. They were later told that flight attendants had also fallen ill, and one flight attendant was wheeled out on a stretcher with an oxygen mask on. Delta Airlines acknowledged that at least one passenger was treated by emergency personnel for heat-related problems, and they apologized for a series of unfortunate events. Really? They said, we apologize for the experience our customers had on Flight 555 from Las Vegas to Atlanta, which ultimately resulted in a flight cancellation. Delta teams are looking into circumstances that led to uncomfortable temperatures. It's called 114 degree heat. Really? And we appreciate the efforts of our people and first responders at Harry Reid International Airport. What does that tell you? Why would you have to sit there for three hours on a plane? It's idiotic. There is absolutely no reason why to sit there. If you can't do it, find somewhere, park, let the people off. But for some reason, maybe it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. Maybe it is. Maybe stupid really is as stupid does. More of Truth in the Afternoon
0: with Dr. Ken Harrison is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com.
2: Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. I want to remind you, Truth Nation, that we got a lot of stuff going on this weekend, so make sure you are listening, and we will have all sorts of things for you to know as you listen throughout the week, so make sure you check it out. 833-212- 1017 is the number security might say, from a Single-parent home don't mean you won't make good. I did okay. All five of us are clean police (laughs) records and decent jobs uh, sustained in the world. Just do it. Yeah, I agree. Is a two-parent household better? Yes. Is a two-parent household necessary? No, it's not. And so I think people get upset when they hear, well, what do you mean it's better? I grew up with one parent and I did. Good. Well, yeah, you did. But I think the key is having two people there that are caring for you. Now, if you're from a single-parent household and there's grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and all that, same thing. In my mind, same thing. Because times have changed. So, so forcing a square peg in a round hole, it really isn't going to do much good. We need to be respectful of people's circumstances and then work on helping them through the circumstances and not treat them like, oh, I feel so sorry for you because, you know, you're from what people call a broken home. Well, I don't know if we can call it a broken home anymore because the normalcy is single parent. I don't agree with it, but it's the reality. So deal with it because my mother raised us just fine. And we did have help from my grandmother and my uncle and all that. And I think we did okay. All of us, me, my two sisters, we all did okay. We kind of did okay. So thank you for that security, Mike. Um, There are statistics and demographic trends around single parent families. There's some common hurdles that that they have to 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 get over. And there are also opportunities for supporting single parents and their children. Some some things we should look at. So what is a what is a what is what are children in single parent families? Well, the Annie E. Case Foundation. Kids Count Data Center uses U.S. Census Bureau data to define children in single-parent households. This demographic group describes any child under 18 who lives with an unmarried parent. Children live with, living with cohabitated couples, couples that live together but aren't married, are included in the group, but children living with a married parent or stepparent are not. All right. So there's three hundred and roughly sixty five million people in America. I should probably check. How many people in America? Three hundred and thirty one point nine million people. That's twenty twenty one statistics, which would have been after the twenty twenty census. So, okay, three hundred and thirty one point nine. There are nearly 24 million children who live in single-parent families. And so that means that some kids, right, some families have multiple kids, right, but they're counting the single-parent families, not the single parents, right? This total, which has been rising for half a century, covers about one in every three kids across America, a number of long-term demographic trends have fueled this increase, including marrying later, declining marriage rates, divorce rates, and an uptick in babies born to single mothers. Within single parent families, most children, 14 and a half million, live with mother only, another six million live with cohabitating parents, and three and a half million kids live with father only. That's according to twenty twenty one estimates. Among unmarried parents, the share of single mothers has shrunk in recent decades while the share of cohabitating parents has actually grown. So the likelihood, here it is. This is where the rubber hits the road before we go to break. The likelihood of a child living in a single parent family varies by race, ethnicity, and family nativity. So when we come back, I'm going to talk about The statistics for black and brown kids. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. Traffic, sports, and weather up next.
0: More of Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, the Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth App, and 1017TheTruth.com.
2: You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833 212 1017 is the number. Security Mike went on to say, see more and more homeless people just giving up to the easy. Mm. LT said, yeah, we was broke. So what? Eddie Murphy trading places. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, Sir John says, well, while statistics say that two is better than one, you also have to keep in mind the factor is about the many cases where two-parent households tend to grow toxic, consequently. There's a high probability of there being an adverse residual effect on the children while they're coming up. Well, arguing that point doesn't, like, like it's, what we have to do is deal with what we're dealing with, not bring in the fact that they're Bad two-parent households. We already know they're bad two-parent households. What we're talking about is single-parent households and the impact that has. Now, later, we may do one on two-parent households where they're toxic, but by far, the number of toxic households with two parents is significantly less than single-parent households, all things being equal. I'm not saying one is better than the other or worse than the other, because I've seen positive and negatives on both sides. So until somebody does a study and compares both of them, and I'm sure there's something out there. That's something we need to look at. So thanks for that, Sir Chance. Appreciate you. Um, the likelihood of a child living in a single parent household varies by race, ethnicity, and family nativity. So. Before we begin, let me let me do this. I love live radio. So,
0: trying to find it.
2: I'm trying to find the definition, and if somebody knows it, eight three three two one two one zero one seven. Um family nativity. What is family nativity? What is the definition of that? That's what I want to know because this study talks about family nativity or being native to the family. Anyway, we'll get there. Black and American Indian or Alaska native kids are most likely to live with a single parent. 64% of black children, 49% of American Indian or Alaska native children fill this demographic. White Asian Pacific Islander kids are least likely to live in a single parent household. 24% of white children, 16% of Asian and Pacific Islander children fill this demographic. Latino children and multiracial children fall somewhere in the middle with 42 and 38% of kids in these groups, respectively, living in a single-parent family. Family nativity makes a difference. So watch this. 37% of kids in U.S.-born families live in a single-parent household compared to just 24% of kids in immigrant families. So here's the issue I have with this. With their only being, these are the percentages of the 24 million, right? So if we only make up 13% of the population, and how many black people are actually, how many blacks in America? We're at forty-seven point five million. Forty-two percent. Where's it at? Forty-six percent of black children in this demographic of twenty-four million are from single-parent households, black. That's that's a significant um, that's a significant small number um, percentage wise, and so we got to look at the actual data. So I'm going to have to dig up this study and look at the actual numbers because if whites make up 64, 63 percent of the population, and 24 percent of them are white versus 64, we got to look at those actual numbers so that we can figure out exactly. Um, what that means. But one of the things we do know is the socioeconomic impact. And so if you've had, I want to know your experience as a single growing up in a single parent household, eight, three, three, two, one, two, one, zero, one, seven is the number. What I want to know is one positive thing that has occurred. And then I want to know one negative thing that occurred because of it. My one negative thing, and I'll be totally transparent about it is literally being lonely and growing up without a father. Does that make sense? Like when you grow up without a father, there's some things you don't learn that other, you know, you learn later in life or uncle or male cousin teaches you. But, but there are, there are some things that I believe you need to know ahead of time. But for me, I watched friends with fathers. I had two really good friends in Chicago and we always played football and basketball and, you know, did the karate thing and horsing around. And they both came from two parent households with, um, and they both owned homes. And for me, that was foreign because we always lived in an apartment. I think I shared with you the first apartment I ever, first apartment, the first house I ever owned was when I moved to Milwaukee After I became a cop like that was the first time I owned a house like ever lived in an actual house. We didn't rent a house. We didn't have we literally did not own a house. And so not until my uncle bought a house. I'd never been in an actual house unless it was my friends up the street. And so I always found it interesting because. I never thought of myself as less until there was one particular family I I came in contact with through Boy Scouts who never passed up a day to try to make me feel like I was less than because I didn't have a father to the point where one of them actually said that, you know, you don't have a father. So what do you know? You know, would make comments and all that. And it never really bothered me until later in life when i realized what i thought i missed but did i 8332121017 is the number what are what are some advantages and disadvantages of growing up in a household where there's only one parent your household where there's only one person Who has to make or break your family.
0: This is Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app and 1017thetruth.com More of Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app and 1017thetruth.com
2: You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833 212 1017 I was looking for my mouse. <laughs> is the number. Madison, the he says, any findings on adoption parent findings? No, I don't I don't have any of that. That's that's a good um hmm. Well, let me look. <laughs> challenges of single parents. More than 20% of children born to married parents will experience a divorce by age nine. More than, I was part of that, 50% of kids born cohabitating will experience a parental breakup. Woo, 50%. Socioeconomic disadvantage, impact on children, They've linked poverty to parental stress. Single parents may struggle to cover basic needs, food, utilities, housing, child care, stuff like that. Worth noting, poverty levels for black, African-American, I'm sorry, black, American, Indian, or Alaska Native and Latino children are consistently above the national average. These generation- Long inequities persist regardless of family structure. So it doesn't matter if you're married, not married, single parent, two parent, cohabitating, married. Doesn't matter. I don't have anything in here on um, adoption. But I think that might be something worth looking into. LT said, does the study show... how the single family households became single. I believe that's relevant if it is by a divorce. Well, well, they, they include the, the mothers only, not mothers only. They talk about declining rate, single parent differences by state congressional districts. Common challenges, just looking, emotional impact. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, If it is by divorce, there can definitely be two incomes. Helping raise a child is the father in jail. Does the mother know who the father is? Well, I don't know if those play a part other than you either have two parents or you don't have two parents. I think that's what they're looking at. They're not looking at the how you don't have two parents. They're looking at just the fact that you don't have two parents, like you're being raised by a single parent. Um, LT goes on to say there's a lot of variables, by the way, because you grew up in a single family, you mean single parent home, does not mean that there's anything wrong with you or something wrong with your character, just your circumstances are different. Well, that's true, but the data does not bear out the fact that there are significant issues with children, who grow up in without a parent. Like nobody's, nobody's casting shade or saying something's wrong with you, but it's been shown over time. The data is consistent that when one parent is in a household, it makes it significantly more difficult. Socioeconomically, um, jobs, food, all those things play a part and make it more difficult. Um, I think that's all it's saying. I don't. I don't know if it's going into the whole dad in jail. Like, does it really matter if dad is in jail or dad's not home? They're not there. And I think I believe that's what they're saying. Security Mike said there are probably more people from a two-parent household that fell off, and eh, they're homeless people. Maybe true that. But we don't know. We don't know. These are these are suppositions we're making. These are assumptions, and we 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 just don't know. You know, that's something to look at. I know that we can't bash two-parent households or look at, hey, yours is broke too. Well, yeah, but that doesn't negate the fact that all the data actually shows that when you have one parent, it, it growing up is significantly harder. It's a significant struggle. And on the same side, you've got people who have grown up in single parent where mom or dad had a good job and they were able to fill in those gaps. Like who was it? security mic? Like, like, like you said, right? Sometimes they, f- you're able to fill in the gaps because money causes you not to live in poverty, not to have socioeconomic issues, things like that. Angela said there are many cons I'm sure, but some of the best pros, is to be independent at an early age, self-sufficient, and thick-skinned. That is certainly true. That is certainly true. You become very thick-skinned, and you get used to being bullied and picked on. You get laughed at for taking what we used to call food stamps. What what, do they call it now? Snap? you know to to and get money and have to pay for like yeah been there done that got the t shirt got the shoes got the jacket <laughs> so it it can be and at some point I was never embarrassed to use food stamps like i was i was i was never um afraid to go get food like it was just weird now you couldn't buy certain things right but maybe tomorrow i'll i'll talk about those who those things i had to grow up eating that i think is one of the causes that black people were so susceptible to covid and so susceptible to certain diseases like kidney disease in men black women for heart disease things like like that I think, I think those are very, very um, socioeconomically inclined um, issues that we ran into because we didn't have money. And so there's a lot of food we ate that we had absolutely no business eating. And some of it was, you know, because your grandparents ate it and your great-grandparents ate it and so you eat it. And today, not so much. Because when you know better, you do better. Sir John said, I believe one of the advantages is that a child will become inclined to be a greater chance for exposure to adult tasks such as budgeting, paying bills, um, planning meals, all that stuff. By this virtue of the fact that they're likely to have seen the struggles, experienced the struggles, made the necessary sacrifices to cope. Thus, it became a first-hand learning process in which they should benefit from later in life, especially if things end up far less than rosy for them, whether they're single or and are put to the test to raise their own families. Well, here you have it because that's exactly what I had to do. that, That is exactly what I had to do. Right. And so I was able to use those struggles I saw my mother go through. And one of my mantras. I will never. Ever go through that again. I would. I refuse to let my children go through the struggles of college that I went through. I refuse. Yep. And so one of the one of the the. Pivotal, pivotal, pivotal things that made it work for me is seeing that the struggle is actually what made me stronger. And that's something taking it full circle is something I don't see in the world today. It's something that I don't see our children. Fighting through because it's not the win or lose. It's the journey, right? It's the learning how to fight, learning how to stand up, learning how to get knocked down, brush yourself off, get up, go. And I just don't see that. And until that changes, I don't know what to say. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. Tory Lowe's show is coming up at 6 o'clock and I will be back tomorrow in about 22 hours where we'll hang out and talk and maybe I'll look at some more statistics that are coming up and, you know, we'll see. Thank you, Ben Appreciate you, brother. It's amazing! And I will see you on tomorrow. God bless. Take care. Drive safe and keep your head down. I'm out.